Well, hello there. It's episode 31. Nick the American is back. My goodness. That is, is my goodness my favorite word? I don't even think I use it in regular everyday life. But here I am. My goodness. My goodness. But it, regardless, it's still episode 31. Time to get down to business. We've got some sensitive topics to discuss today. But uh, here we go. So, as I may or may not have told you, I think I did tell you, I was in Boston all week last week. Um, I own my own pool and spa chemical manufacturing company, so I sell chemicals to pool and spa dealers all across the country. I was up in the Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island area. Rhode Island is beautiful, by the way. I really like Newport, Rhode Island. It's just gorgeous. But I was up there slanging, slanging my chemicals, doing my best to provide for my family. So it was a lot of fun. How successful was my trip? My mother my mother texts me, Nikki, call me when you get home. Did you make some sales? Yeah, Mom, I made some sales. But uh, So people ask me how it went, and uh, I laugh. And uh, I'll give you guys a, a, a little little snippet of what I was dealing with in Boston. I've got a pool dealer in Lawrence, Massachusetts that looks like they're going under. They're going under. They've been a customer for nearly for, they've been a customer for a decade. 10 flipping years, okay? And they owe me $22,000 this year. They owe me 20, which is not a, you know, untypical year for them. They owe me 22 grand, and guess what? I don't think I'm going to see a penny of that 22 grand. So I staked out the place. The store looks closed, but if you look inside the store, everything looks good. I I can, I took pictures. I can see my chemicals on all the shelves. We're just really past due. And the gentleman who owns the store got about a month and a half ago. Shit, yes, I'm going to get you paid. No problem. The communication has gotten less and less and less as time has gone on. And he knew I was in Boston all week, wanted to sit down with him man to man, talk to me about your issues. Can we work through it? What's the course of action? And literally, I'm in Boston Monday to Friday. And this pool dealer that I've been customers with, has been my customer for 10 Flipping years, who owes me $22,000, won't even be man enough to meet with me. Do you think I really give a shit if he's a Democrat or a Republican or a Whig? No. Just want to get paid. And I don't think that's going to happen. So that was the, you know, I made a lot of good sales. I've got some great relationships up there in the Northeast. But yeah, the $22,000, that's definitely an eyesore. That's definitely problematic. And it sucks, but it is what it is. Now, continue on my Boston trip. And I find I'm flying out at 9 a.m. in the morning. And I'm staying about 30 minutes outside of the city. And maybe 20 minutes outside the city. And so I get my butt up at 5 a.m. because... I don't miss flights. I'm always early. I, you know, if, if, if you got an appointment with Nick, I keep it. I always keep it. So a flight is obviously an important appointment to keep. So I got my butt up at five, got dressed, showered, da da da, da 
drove to the airport, turned in my Avis rental car, and I'm literally at Logan Airport, Logan International, at 7 a.m. I'm there at 7 for a flight uh, that doesn't take off until 9. So, and actually, let me back up really quick. As I'm in Foxborough, as I'm in all the different, Lawrence and Rhode Island and all the different places up in the Northeast that I was, it became apparent to me. I, I saw signs everywhere, welcome Army-Navy. And I'm like, Army-Navy? I, mean, I knew Army that Army-Navy football games this week, but it's always played in Philadelphia. It's always played in Philadelphia. Philadelphia freedom. It's always played in Philadelphia. And I see signs. I'm driving past Foxborough. Welcome, cadets. You know, welcome, midshipmen. Welcome, Black Knights of Army. And I'm like, wow, that's cool. They're God, they're having an Army Navy game in in Foxborough. But anyway, so all right, I, I got that out of the way. I'll talk about that in a second. So I get on this flight, and we are literally on the tarmac. It's like 9:08, okay. And we are in line. We're like sixth in line to take off. And the pilot comes on and says, "We've got." Some mechanical issues, they don't seem to be too serious. <gasps> they're always serious, I'm telling you. They're always fucking serious when the pilot says there's some sort of mechanical issue. Okay? Comes on, says there's a mechanical issue. we got to go back to the gate, which took forever. We've got to go back to the gate. Mechanics are going to check it out. Hopefully they'll give us a you know clean bill of health, the pilot said, and we'll get on our way to Seattle as we all want to do, folks. Hopefully we won't be too, too late. Well... Nine turned into 10, and then 11, and then 12, and then 1. They keep pushing the, the, the time back. They're, they're doing the fix. Apparently, they needed to borrow a part from the United garage, and that took a little bit of time. But, uh, yeah, so essentially, I'm just stranded at the airport. And as I'm, as I'm stranded at the airport, I'm watching. I'm watching the folks on the army side, the black knights. And I'm watching the folks on the Navy side, the midshipmen come upon Boston Logan airport. They're filtering through like crazy. And you see them, a lot of them in their uniforms and special uniforms, uh, street clothes, what have you. But I got goosebumps. The hair on my back started to stand up here. I am. I'm delayed and people are all upset. They're going to miss their connecting flight into Seattle or whatever. And I'm looking at all of these 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 midshipmen and 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 these army soldiers come in for this big game, and you just get reminded of the commitment to service, the selflessness of these individuals. And I literally, my chest was beaming. And a couple you get a couple opportunities when you pass some of these folks, and you thank them for for him or her service, and 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 that. I hope that means a lot to them. Maybe it doesn't because they hear it a lot. But when I say it, it means a lot to me because I mean it. I mean it. The commitment to service that these people show, it's just its just unrivaled. It's unparalleled to anything that I've ever done in my life. And so I, I just take my hat off to Army and Navy and even the Air Force. I love the Air Force too. But anyways, we'll continue my story. I go to the bathroom. It's like 2.30. We're supposed to take off at 3 now. I'm going to the bathroom. I walk out of the bathroom. I've relieved myself. Feeling good. 
And I look at my gate and I go, oh, all right, we're boarding. Sweet. There's these massive lines. Well, some some lunatic chick comes up to me and says, oh, my God, oh God did you hear that? It's canceled. Everything's canceled. They're booking us out on flights tomorrow on the next day. And I'm like, oh, shit. We're canceled. And I was in the bathroom when they announced it. And so everyone jumps up to the line. And the line is like, what was there, 220 people on our flight? Something like that. I don't know. That's how big the line is. There's And there's two Alaska desks. I fly out on Alaska. There's two desks. They're filled up. There's no getting in that line and trying to switch your flight with them. So, just like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Twins. And the first rule in a crisis situation. You negotiate first and you attack last. A rule in a crisis situation. That's a really bad Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, the third rule. What do you do in a crisis situation? There is people freaking out. Nick the American doesn't freak out. He gets on his app, checks out Alaska, tries to book. They've got one flight out that night, thinks he's going to book it, maybe before all these people in line get booked on that flight. But Nick Nick also knows that that flight's probably like 98% full. There's probably two seats left on that flight. I almost go to book this flight on my Alaska app, and I, I thought it was a direct, and it wasn't. I was, oh, nope, you're wrong. They had me flying into San Francisco at 7 o'clock that night, well, leaving Boston to into San Francisco, a layout layover for nine hours, and then boom, back to Seattle. Like, that's not working. I'm not going to California and stay in the night. I can just stay the night here in Boston, Logan. Okay. Goodness, goodness, goodness. And so I'm a little bit of panic is starting to set in. Okay. Now I call Alaska. This line's not getting any any any, any shorter anytime soon. I call Alaska and they they want to literally send me to like Portland, Oregon or San Diego and stay the night. And I, I told the person, no, I want to direct. I'm, I'm staying here in Boston and I want to direct home to Seattle. And if I have to pay for it, I don't care if it's with another airline. Can you please check all airlines for me? And fortunately, I was able to spend $800 on a flight. From Boston to Seattle, I flew out at 7, 7.30. I got in at 10.30. So I was at the airport from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. I was ready to go. And so I had a, you know, on top of the the, the dealer owing me $22,000, I had a, you know, I, I didn't have the best week. I wasn't having the best day. But I brought up Army-Navy. And I, I brought up all of these soldiers, all of these service men and women who were crossing through Logan International Airport. And the fact that I'd lost $22,000, the fact that um, I'd been at the airport for 12 hours straight, none of it mattered. It didn't matter. I was almost happy to be there. Like, my goodness, if this, this is what I've got to overcome. This is what I've got to overcome. Look, look what these Black Knights of Army... And the midshipmen of Navy overcome every single day. And so when I got my butt home, I, I I made it a point. I always watch Army Navy, but I've got my eye on it. I made it a point literally from pregame to endgame 
to watch the entire show. And I, you know, I, I felt connected because hell, I was in, I was in, I was in Boston. I should have probably stayed for the game. I know it's like a bucket list thing for me and and many other sports fans is to watch Army Navy. But I I listened to the stories. I watched the football game. I li- Army has thirty three seniors that were getting that get getting their papers, their, their station papers, where they were going to be stationed, what they were going to be doing. Many of them requesting to be on the front lines. Selfless, selfless. And I watched Army and Navy battle it out in this football game that, that really got tight and interesting at the very end. Navy gets stopped at the inch line and Army ends up winning. And so I, I just started to think, these guys are all on the same team. These guys are going to battle it out, but they're on the same damn team. How can we as Americans honor their service, honor their just pure selflessness? You know what we can do as Americans, as Republicans, as Democrats, as Whigs, as Independents, as Nihilists, as Libertarians? It doesn't matter. You know what we can do? We can be a team too. We can be a team, too. We are the United States of America. That is our team. We've got red states. We've got blue states. We've got Republicans. We've got Democrats. We've got people who don't believe in shit. That is our team. And I am not suggesting, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, I am not suggesting we agree on everything. No. No, I'm not. It's okay. It's okay to disagree. I'm going to bring up things later in the show that we're going to disagree on. I'm not suggesting that we agree on everything. What I'm telling you is a must is that we understand at the end of the day, whether we agree or disagree, we are on the same team. And I think if we had some of our media personalities, I always bring up my boy, Sean Hannity. If Sean Hannity could remind his listeners that we are on the same team, and we need to get it done. We've got different philosophies, but we're Americans. We compromise, and then we go forward. We're no different than Army-Navy. Our commitment isn't nearly as much. But we can honor those folks who serve us every single day by at least being civil. Rachel Maddow, change your tone a little bit. Remind your listeners that we are the United States of America. You can have a big political you know, powwow, chat, get political all you want. But it is important. If you're in the media, if you command lots of people, lots of people follow and listen to you, it is important to let them know on a consistent basis, not just a one-time thing, that we are on the same team. Army and Navy and Air Force, they're on the same team. They compiled the greatest team maybe in the history of humanity. Can we meet them halfway? Can we meet them? That United States of America has gotten where they are because we're a team. And some people think that team is falling apart. And I say bullshit. There's a lot of folks out there. You got a responsibility. People follow you. Remind them. This is our baseball team. This is our football team. This is our military team. This is our country. And we love it.
So thank you for your service. Any man, any woman in military in, in, in a military uniform, I am literally in awe of you. You're, you're, I, I'm half the I, I, I'm a tenth of the man that many of you guys are. Okay? Okay? So, anyways. Think about that. Just, just, God, that just, yeah. We are a team. We are a team. All right. You know, you know, I, let, let, let me let me continue to talk about this team for a second because everybody in this economy in this country has something to offer. Whether you're a, a flaming liberal, super right mega person, you ha- we have things to offer our team. Okay, and I I I, I got to bring this up. I say bad things about Machine Gun Taylor Green all the time. Okay. You know, oh, she can't be on our team. She's crazy. She, she, you know, defamed the the families of Sandy Hook and Parkland. And that is awful. That is awful. But let let me say something positive about Machine Gun Taylor Green and the team that is the United States of America for a second. She's from the state of Georgia. My girl Marjorie's from the state of Georgia. She attempted to run, I believe, in the 6th or the 7th district, which was her home district, in 2018. I'm not sure when it was. Was it? early 2019 and it was a crowded Republican field and she wasn't going to, she wasn't going to get the nod in Congress. She wasn't going to win the party domination. And so what did she do? She got in her car and drove like two and a half hours up to the 14th district up in the Northwest corner of Georgia, Northwest part of Georgia. I don't want to corner it. And she started campaigning. There was a Republican there that was retiring, leaving, leaving office and before anybody else could really get a foothold, Machine Gun Taylor Green went up there, campaigned her absolute ass off, and then ended up kicking ass in the election. Some, you know, the liberal Democrats like me, but I won't say this. Oh, she's a carpetbagger. She doesn't live in her district. There is no rule in the house that you don't have to live in your district. But what I want to highlight is her tenacity. She was not going to be stopped. She was going to she was going to run for Congress. She was going to try and win. She was going to do everything in her power. That's shit that we need on our team. Now, there's certain things that I have some serious difference with with the Congresswoman from the 14th district, Machine Gun Taylor Green. But listen to me, Marjorie. You need me on the team. I'm tough. I get after it. I'm a business owner just like you. We need people like you on the team too. With your toughness, your relentlessness, your entrepreneurial spirit, we need each other. So we can fight, we can disagree, all all we want. At the end of the day, we're on the same damn team. Do not forget that. I needed to get that off my chest. I needed to say something. Hey, way to go, Machine Gun Taylor Green. Hey, no, refuse to lose, baby. I like it. I like it. I can get behind that. Now we just got to do a little bit more for the families of Sandy Hook and Parkland. All right. Anybody watch the NFL? I was watching the NFL this week weekend, and guess what my Broncos did? Six out of seven, baby. Russell's slanging it up there. Jerry Judy sucks, by the way. He absolutely sucks. 
And I know Bronco fans, listen to me here. Listen to me, Denver Bronco fans. You're saying to yourself, are we, are we, are we any good? We're seven and six. Are we any good? The whole the whole AFC is like seven and six or eight and five or six and seven. And and Bronco fans like me look at we look in the mirror and we go, no, we're not any good. But then we look at the rest of the AFC or the NFC and we go, who fucking is good? Who is good? You know, I talked about the NFL being meh. It's not a real exciting product, or it hasn't been. Now, last night was a little different with uh, the Dolphins losing late to uh, the Titans. And uh, the Packers, they, 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 they pulled it off last night. They pulled it off. So last night was somewhat exciting. But here's my takeaway from the NFL. It's not even a takeaway. I'm asking, I'm asking Nick the American is asking an important question here. Is the San Francisco 49er quarterback, Brock Purdy, is he Joe Montana? The Iowa State Cyclone, what, four-year starter. Maybe he was a five-year starter with COVID. Who knows? I don't know. This kid reminds me of Joe Montana. He can move. He's smart. He doesn't have a big arm, but it's accurate as hell. He's Calm as a cucumber. I'm just asking you. And and you'll say, oh, of course he's not Joe Montana. Joe Montana is the second greatest quarterback of all time, which I believe Joe Montana to be. Even, even though I'm an Elway guy, Elway's three on my list. It's Tommy, it's Joe, and it's Elway. They're my top three. And so this is pretty big praise for this, 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 this kid out of Iowa State. Is Brock Purdy? Joe Montana. I'm wondering. I'm wondering. I think so. Take a look. Take a closer look. Brock Purdy. Stand up, young man. Un, what was he, the last pick of the draft? When he was a freshman at Iowa State, people were talking about him being a first-round pick. Goes from the you know first, first pick to the, you know, the last pick of the draft. And now, my goodness, he just looks like the guy that you want quarterback in your football team. Coupled with Kyle Shanahan, the best offensive coach in the league, and you've got something. I mean, I think about think about it. Joe Montana had Bill Walsh, innovative offensive system. Brock Purdy, Scott Kyle Shanahan, innovative offensive system, and really from the same tree, same same coaching tree at West Coast offense. So, all right, let's move on. Let's move on. I'm going to be political today. I've, you know that I think I'm. Done with talking sports, but uh, Trump continues to lead in Iowa. He's leading Nikki Haley in South Carolina. He's got a lead in New Hampshire. His favorability rating is far above Ron DeSantos or Nikki Haley. Far above his favorability. Like you favor him, you like him. He's he's a good dude. And so, I, I I've got a highlight. Why Nick the American believes this son of a bitch, King Trump, Eris Targaryen, is so dangerously different than any other person we've ever had run for president or be president or any other politician for that matter. Okay? It's not about his policies. I can live with that. It's one of the reasons why I'm like, give me any other Republican. I'll take it right now if you tell me Trump's not the president. It's... It's not necessarily anything about his policies. It's not about his awful vocab 
or how mean he is to anybody that he dis, dis- disregards. It doesn't matter if you worked in his cabinet. You're a loser. You're slow. It do, if you're a politician that even winks wrong against him, you're a loser. You're fucking slow. The problem that I have with Trump is that in order to stay president, he was willing to literally rip up the Constitution. He was literally willing to say, time out, democracy. Time out. I'm the king, and when 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 I'm running, we play by different different de- democratic rules. Democracy's not on the table when I'm running. What was this man willing to do to stay in power? If you've listened to the Georgia phone call with Brad Raffsenberger, he wanted you to find him. One more vote than he needed. 11,870 votes, Brad. That's one more than I needed. He told Brad Raffsenberger, the Secretary of State of Georgia, that 35,000 dead people voted. But he just needed you to find him one more vote than he needed. If Joe Biden would have made this phone call, this attack on democracy, he would be gone. Fucking gone. Okay? Now, Trump didn't stop there. He tried to do it in Arizona. There's fake electors. Fake election certificates where he thought he could just give them to the vice president of the United States, Michael Pence. And Mike Pence would announce him the winner. Declare me the winner. I lost, Trump lost by 7 million votes. Over 7 million votes. He got seven states flipped on him. And he won the election. Hillary Clinton lost much closer in the previous election than King did against Biden. Can you imagine if Donald Trump would have won the popular vote and lost the election like Hillary Clinton did? Three states, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, 75,000 votes total, I believe. Might be 85. Those three states, that's how Hillary Clinton lost that inside straight, Midwestern straight. Hillary Clinton is a demon, right? She is fucking Carmen Sandiego, according to the right. What did she do for our democracy? She conceded the very next day. She conceded the very next day. Joe Biden would never make a phone call to the Secretary of State in Georgia. Never do that. Trump did. Then on January 6th, January 6th, he was going to cause such a commotion at the Capitol that they were going to have to delay the vote. Michael Pence got whisked out of there. Trump was furious that they didn't take him to an offsite, and Pence decided to stay, which meant he could certify the vote. Furious. This guy doesn't play by rules. And let, let's do a sports analogy for a quick second here. If you were playing in a football game and you beat a football team 24-21 and the other coach and the other team wouldn't accept defeat, said, well, we're showing up to the next playoff game. We won. That was a fake offsides call. The field goal was good. You guys called three holding calls on us that were fake. Fake holding. The, the, the fake referee media. It's all fucked up. We won. You wouldn't want to play a game with someone who couldn't could admit defeat. And if you're in politics, you're a congressman, a senator, a mayor, it doesn't matter. If you've been in politics long enough, you've probably won an election 
and you've probably lost an election. But our country rests upon democracy. One man, one woman, one vote. One man, one woman, one vote. And Trump doesn't believe in that. He would be the worst person ever to coach against because he would never admit defeat. This man, let's say he gets reelected. He knows that he needs someone in the state of Georgia or Arizona. He doesn't need Brad Raffsenberger or Rusty Bowers. He needs someone that he can, that's pliable, that will work with him. Do you think, honestly, when he vets VPs, he only will care about one thing. If I'm pre- if I become elected president and then we have another close race, will you certify the election if I don't tell you to? You will not. It's all it's it's going to be a loyalty tour, a revenge tour for Trump. And so if we don't have one man one vote, if we if we if if we don't have rules to our democracy, a winner and a loser, then what do we have? What do we have? I reference, and I I want to show this clip, Al Gore's concession speech. Almost a century and a half ago, Senator Stephen Douglas told Abraham Lincoln, who had just defeated him for the presidency, partisan feeling must yield to patriotism. I'm with you, Mr. President, and God bless you. Well, in that same spirit, I'd say to President-elect Bush that what remains of partisan rancor must now be put aside and may God bless his stewardship of this country. Al Gore's concession speech against George W. Bush in the closest election of our lifetime, an election that neither man truly won. But what did Al Gore do for democracy? He stood down. He stood down, even though he had a case. Trump had no case, and he will not stand down. Now, I'm fr- you know, let's put this in perspective, Republicans. Look me in the eye and let's put this in perspective. Let's say, let's say DeSantis doesn't do well in, in Iowa, the Iowa caucus in New Hampshire. Okay, Let's say Nikki Haley performs a little bit better than she thought and she's going to win. It sounds like she could win Nevada and maybe she gives him a real run in her home state of South Carolina and things t- get tight there the first four or five race, uh, races. Let's say we hit Super Tuesday and Nikki Haley has got is, is almost in a deadlock in terms of delegates with Donald Trump. Republicans, do you think King can lose a Republican primary against Nikki Haley? Even if she beats him. If she, one man, one vote. She gets 10 votes. He gets seven. There, I'm, He will throw a grenade. He's already tried to throw a grenade into democracy. And I use that term because a Republican told me that. If he would have lost a Republican friend of mine, we were talking about Hillary Clinton and I said, well, you know, I flipped it. What if Trump had lost just like she did? And he said, oh God, he'd throw a grenade in the democracy. And this was in 2016. This person said that staunch Republican. He would have thrown a grenade into our democracy. Republicans, he will throw a grenade into your primary. There's literally no way he can lose. He will bend you. Nikki Haley, do you really believe if you have a lead in the delegate count that Trump would concede the nomination? 
you're 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 running. Maybe you're running for four years from now or eight years from now. I don't know. But Trump will not let go of the party nomination, and by any means necessary, he will put a grenade into our democracy to make sure he's the president. And there you go. That's why I'm against him. We have rules. We have fucking rules. You win, you lose, you shake hands, and you say good job. That's what we teach our kids. This man plays by no rules. Yeah, there's no I in team. Oh, man. And I talk about team. It's all Trump. It's all Trump. Can you imagine if Joe Biden called the Secretary of State of Georgia and told, said, find me some votes? That would have been the smoking gun and the lead story on Fox News for fucking forever. I don't know. I don't know. It just boggles my mind. And, you know, we'll, we'll segue in, into this. Trump has these fans, these, these fans, these mega, and, and I, I don't know, and I want to be kind here, Republican Party. I don't know how many of them there are. Let's say, you know, you've got 100% slice of the pie in the Republican Party. Are there, is it 30% of Trump fans that are just crazy? They, they hang and fawn over every single word he says. Is it 50%? Is it 15%? And everyone else is just along with the, you know, the, they, they just go along with their party tribalism, which is an R or a D. I don't cross that. I know Trump's a bad dude, but I know he tried to throw a grenade in our democracy, but boy, Joe Biden can't even stand the fuck up. Hillary Clinton, my goodness, she would have, uh, you know, it had, had, nah, she conceded, didn't she? She conceded. So we have these Trump fans, and uh, I've got a good idea for Saturday Night Live. I, I think I've got a good idea for Saturday Night Live. Do you guys remember Bill Swirsky and, like, the super fan? It, remember Chris Farley, the guy from Cheers, Dawberth, Dicka, who would win, Dicka or a hurricane? Dicka. What if the hurricane was named Dicka? Dicka. And so... Why don't why doesn't SNL they love Trump spoofs and who knows I, I I tried to Google this last night to see if they'd done it but I, I don't think it's been done why don't they do a mega group you know Chris Farley the guy from Cheers Dobbers with Trump which come January will run roughshod over the competition in Super Bowl twenty six a team that is known as Dobbers Dobbers he. There's nothing he can't do, right? There's absolutely nothing. I was looking at some of these. Okay, let's say Trump plays Obama in a basketball game one-on-one. Who wins? Trump, 49. Obama, 2. No, no, no. They only go to 11. They only go to 11. Trump will get tired out. Okay, Trump, 11. Obama, nothing. Do you think Obama could win the... Excuse me. Do you think Trump could win the Kentucky Derby? Oh, Trump. So what else could we do? What else could we do? I don't know. Um, here, Here's a good one. Had Trump have coached the Georgia Bulldogs this year instead of Kirby Smart, would they be in the national championship? Yes, they would. They would. So SNL, 
maybe we could do a Trump skit with these these absolute rabid super fans. They've got their own apparel. They've got their own apparel. Can we do an SNL skit with Trump and his super fans? And this could be ongoing. I mean, it would just be a lot of fun. I just totally butchered everything right there. But, you know, I don't belong on SNL. So the hell with that. But it just kind of highlights Trump could do anything with democracy he wants. He is going to stay in power, do everything he can. He's not leaving office. And then there are people in the country that think he's absolutely wonderful, that he could, you know, he, he could defeat a hurricane. And, and I don't mean that literally, but uh, maybe, maybe I do. He could literally do anything. And I will love him and support him like he was my son. I think, you see, you know, your son commits murder. You see, you're watching Dateline and then the, the family has to cut ties with their son. I, I, I Trump said he could shoot somebody on First Avenue in New York and they'll still support me. They'll still love me. I agree. I agree. What the fuck are you waiting for, Republican Party? Stand up. Start supporting Nikki Haley. And get your party back to sane. Because this guy, he gets elected. He gets elected. He will spend four years trying to figure out how to stay elected. And then if he gets if he stays in office again another four years, he literally he'll be 90 years old or some shit, and he'll be figuring out how to run for a third term. He was already doing that on the campaign trail against Biden. He was doing that in 2020. He was floating a fucking third term. All right. All right. Now let's talk freedom. Let's talk a little bit of freedom. Okay. I want to talk some freedom. And apparently, if you want to be free, you got to go to the state of Texas. You got to go to the state of Texas. You know, um, we're we're we've got a new producer on the show, and uh, we're we're getting up there on social media and all this, and people are are are, are hating me and loving me and indifferent about me and confused if I'm liberal or conservative and all that, and and that's absolutely wonderful. But there was a a lady had commented in one of the posts about freedom and. You know, Joe Biden will take away all your freedom. And, and if you want freedom, Donnie's the Donnie's the guy to go with. Well, and Donnie overturned. Donnie was able to add some Supreme Court justices uh, while he was president. He was able to overturn Roe v. Wade. A stance, by the way, that he said at one point he was very, very pro-choice. But so he's overturned Roe v. Wade. This is the party of freedom. Texas is the state of freedom. No question about it. But, but... Not for Kate Cox. Not for Kate Cox. This woman was 20 weeks pregnant. She had a non-viable pregnancy. Non-viable pregnancy. She needed to get an abortion. She sued the state of Texas to get an emergency abortion. And she won. Ken Paxton. Freedom-loving. Freedom-loving Ken Paxton. The Attorney General of the state of Texas. Had it overturned, the lawsuit overturned by the, the Texas Supreme Court. He warned every physician in the state of Texas, do not treat her or I will prosecute you. The Texas Attorney General, not a doctor, not a scientist, an aging white far-right Republican male, believes 
he knows what should happen with Kate's body. He would prefer that she carry her non-viable fetus to term. Consequences be damned. That's Ken's choice. Ken has choices. Kate does not. Freedom-loving Ken Paxton, I know. Hard, 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 you know, hard, hard to understand there. She had a non-viable birth, Mrs. Cox did. She's got two kids. This could ultimately kill her if she if she takes it to term. It could wreck her reproductive rights for the future. And this woman had to flee the state, the free state of Texas, to go get a medical procedure to potentially save her life, to potentially save her reproductive life. A non-viable baby. Who is for that? Who Should we go prosecute Kate Cox? Should we go prosecute a Dallas physician if they attempted to save her life? Now, we've heard about this, these rumblings. Oh, Republican attorney generals in states like Missouri and Idaho, they're going to come after you. Smells like freedom, right? I told you, this is the biggest freedom of any anything on the political table. They're going to come after you. Like... It's a scare tactic by Democrats. Well, no scare tactic. Ken Paxton is literally coming after Kate Cox and any doctor in the state of Texas. It's not a scare tactic. It's fact. It's fact. Now, now, I mentioned in the Republican debate how all the Republicans, they were evolving on abortion because they have to, or they will lo- they'll lose at the ballot box. They're evolving on abortion, but... They all used the scare tactic of the third-term abortion. Like, it was prevalent. Women are walking into abortion clinics, left and right, saying, get this thing out of me in the eighth or ninth month. I'm fucking done. Get this fucking baby out of me. Third-term abortions are disgusting. They're awful. They need to end. And and I told you on this show that third-term abortions, like the Republicans in the debates were describing... Do not exist. I'm not saying it's never ever happened, but this doesn't. This does not exist. This is not. Women do not get abortions in the third trimester because they're just tired of being pregnant. And 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 I I said to Republicans, if this is true, you have to prove it. You have to show me. I want to see this. I'd be disgusted by it. I'm disgusted by Ken Paxton and his actions against this this mother and this non-viable baby. I'm telling you, this is exactly what happened in real time. This is what's happening. You show me these doctors that are performing abortions in the third term because mom is tired of being pregnant. It's to save the mother's life. You have a non-viable child in your womb. That's why you keep third-term abortions. So Republicans, hey, hey, we've heard a lot of talk on the left. Oh, the AG, the attorney generals in Republican states are going to come after you. Guess what? 100% true. Now it's up to you to prove your third-term abortion scare tactic true. What say you, Republicans? All right. Too bad men didn't give birth. It's too bad men didn't give birth. My goodness. Can you imagine telling a a mega mega male Republican 
with his AR-15 and he's, he's got a bun in the oven, a non-viable bun in the oven. Hey, Roy, you got you to gotta take that thing to term even though it might kill you, even it might ruin the chance of you having another viable baby. Could you fucking imagine men gave birth? All right. Let's end on a positive note here, ladies and gentlemen. Army and Navy show us what a team is all about. Okay? We have to honor them and their service and the way we do that. Here I just got done ripping on Republicans. I rip on Democrats. Some people are confused about what I am. Don't be confused. I'm a liberal Democrat. But I understand, Republicans, that you are on my team. And I want you on my team. I highlighted Machine Gun Taylor Green about qualities that every team needs. She's got them. We're not all perfect. We got crazies on the left. We're not all perfect. We got fucking morons on the right. And everywhere in between. But talent is everywhere. It's in every red state and blue state. It's in each party. It's in every family. Now, dipshits are there too. In every family, there's a dipshit. In every state, there's dipshits. It doesn't matter your political affiliation. But I'm calling on the leaders of this country. Machine Gun Taylor Green, remind everybody that we are on the same team. I don't think you're capable of doing that. But it might be nice. The Black Knights and the Midshipmen, they show us what the greatest team in the history of humanity looks like. We could meet them halfway. We could meet them halfway. If you're an influencer out there, remind yourself and remind people that you influence that this is the United States of America. This is the baddest ass team that's ever been put together. And yeah, you might think we're fractured. And we might talk a little bit too much about being fractured. But at the end of the day, we all understand in this country that in order to make it really work, really work well, we've got to be united. And we've got to sometimes just stand up and say, we are on the same team. And it's okay that we disagree. And we can have those fights. But when those fights are set aside and it's time for business, we are the United States of America and we are going to come kick your ass. Economically, militarily, socially, we're coming. Because we're united. I think that's episode 31, ladies and gentlemen. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. And uh, we'll talk next week. Goodbye.